This is the first time. Chirp Radio's live storytelling and music series recorded at Martyrs in Chicago's North Center neighborhood. Here's your host, Jen Sodina. We've got our final reader, guys. Thanks for hanging here. It's going to be a real treat. Story and song, Mickey Lesur. She's the... Uh, She's a longtime friend of the chirp verse here, okay? She also, um, another collaboration with, like, supported by chirp, huge collaboration with Liam, is that she is the founder of Coat Angels, which provides coats to needy kids and people in the winter, in the brutal Chicago winters. Please support them and donate, coatangels.org, coatangels.com. You can clarify. Guys, huge round of applause. Mickey Lasore. Hello. Um, I have to start this off by, uh, as ficklicious implies, I usually tell lies, and I write, uh, I write fiction, so this true thing is not normal for me. And so I'm going to be using paper. Um, so I was out one night for a drink with a friend, and the friend says, I'm terrible at relationships. And I find this, is, it's a very intriguing tidbit of self-awareness, and with my heinous relationship history, it gets me thinking. And is, is that my problem? Is that my problem too? Am I just terrible at relationships? And after gnawing on this idea a bit, I realize that that's not my problem. I'm really good at relationships. I'm great at relationships, and my problem is I'm terrible at picking people to have these relationships with, as in I'm epically, ridiculously, egregiously terrible at picking people to have relationships with. And my main problem is that I'm a sucker. I am gullible, and I'm an easy mark, and so if you say something, anything to me, I'll think you're awesome. Like, hello. (laughs) You're the one for me. That's it. That'll do it. And I've been rightly accused of not recognizing the difference between courtship and character. So good behavior, whilst wooing someone, does not a good human make. So that's unfortunate, because the one thing I have consistently been into throughout my entire life is boys. And my first boyfriend was Rudy. I was four, and I met him at the Baptist church I attended as a child. My parents didn't attend. They dropped me off and then left to go do whatever they did other than go to church. And it's like they viewed Jesus as my babysitter, (laughs) which was fine because I was on the prowl. So Rudy had big eyes and he had shaggy brown hair. And once he made me a bracelet, and for some reason my parents made me give it back. It's like four and it was church. Um, So considering my social, political, and secular inclinations, now Baptist and churchgoer probably are not indicators of a good match. Um, but I've never been one to let total incompatibility slow me down. He did meet the one criterion I had set for myself when it came to boyfriends, and that was boy. (laughs) Friend was optional. It was a standard I set for myself, and I abided by for the following four decades. Rudy was followed by a consistent and steady stream of perpetual crushes throughout grade school. David Greenberg was the Daniel Boone Elementary hottie, and he occupied most of my attention from kindergarten through sixth grade, followed by 
Matthew, Stephen, Jimmy, Tony, Richard, and at least two other Davids, but there would have been more, but my grammar school is really small. So that's it. And then high school, where a lot of people would view it kind of as an educational bridge to something bigger, for me it was an expanded dating pool. And uh, I was a serial dater, so I would go from one guy to the next to the next without a break or a breather. And um, so it was a contiguous stream of bad choices. And they would last from like a day to a year. And my relationships, they weren't cute or nostalgic with charming sprinkles of that John Hughes angst that happened when you think of high school relationships. They were like these really ugly things. And so after high school, though, I did find someone who had potential. He was a good choice for a relationship. His name was, and I assume probably still is, um, is Patrick. And we were pretty highly functioning in terms of coupledom for several years, but there was something that was kind of just weird. There was something that was amiss, and we just didn't quite connect. And I couldn't figure out why. It was a total mystery to me, um, one that was solved when he came out a few years later. So he was... Uh, not fishing from my pond, and for him, I was not a catch. <laughs> One, two, skip a few years, and here's the married portion of my story. I stayed true to my form with epically, ridiculously, egregiously terrible choices, and I should have known he was <laughs> not a good catch when he took me to his favorite place for my birthday, which was a rib place, and I was a vegetarian. <laughs> Red flag. Um, and then, uh, then at one point, I was just horribly, horribly ill. I was violently sick, and, and um, he decided to go hang out with his friends, which, you know, I'm a big girl, that should have been fine, except we had an infant child, and I probably wasn't good to fix that. And so then, um, finally, at one point, I ripped a muscle in my leg, and I'm laying on the couch uh, thinking about whether or not to go to the ER. And if you rip a muscle uh, in, a, in a leg, you can't walk, just in case for those who aren't medically savvy. And so I'm laying on the couch, and he puts a stack of bills next to me and says, do you mind mailing these? And then he goes to the family vacation home in Michigan for the weekend. So at that point, um, bad choices. Bad choices, not a catch. So um, while I spent nearly two decades getting an inside look at what makes someone a bad choice to have a good relationship with, in the outside world, this online dating thing happens. So suddenly I'm single. And I'm pumped about this online dating thing. That's true. I think this is going to be kind of amazing. I'd seen commercials about eHarmony. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, I'd heard good things about OkCupid. Okay you know, and I feel like you read a profile, and then you know who these people are. <laughs> Easy. It's like Amazon. That one. Delivered to the door. Um, so it didn't, didn't quite work that way, but I figured some would be not great, but either way, it would be an adventure and it would be hilarious. Spoiler alert. Online dating? Yeah, not always funny. Um, so there was the doctor who possessed an alarmingly scant knowledge of female anatomy. Like, scary. Fucking seriously? Um, there was a mason who spent the entire date mocking me. And, I, and I, at one point, I said, can you say something nice? He told me I had nice wrists. Like, you can check them out later if you'd like. Um, and then there was the doctor who found it completely unfathomable that I didn't want to date him and his girlfriend. Yeah, this was great. Um, and then there were two bona fide stalkers. Seriously, as in for real stalkers. And uh, so, yes, it was an adventure. No, it was not hilarious. Uh, no, they were not catches. And thank you for shopping OkCupid. Okay so I gave up on the online dating thing for a while, but then a friend downloaded Hinge on my phone. Does anyone know what this Hinge thing is? Anyone? 
Okay, yeah. So Hinge, Hinge is, it's, it's interesting because it connects you with a Facebook friend, it, like friend of friends, so two degrees, not awkwardly like you guys have known each other since grade school, go. It's more like you have a mutual friend, so there's a degree of separation. So it, it's, it's an interesting thing. And it's, it has you with people more in common than you would think. So instead of the guy from St. Charles with pictures of him blowing shit up with assault rifles with a message that says, yo, it's, um, it's, it's people who you actually have some possible things in common with. So I download this app, and then I met someone. And he was a catch, like a real catch, my first catch. Unlike the 250,000 people on right now that happens on an OkCupid thing, it kind of dribbles people at you where there's a mutual connection. So this guy shows up on my app one day, and he's like super cute. He's very cute, super cute. And, uh, and he just looked, he looked kind which is kind of a hard thing. It's like smart, yes, funny, you're great, but are you kind, are you nice? And that nice piece is missing a lot. Um, so that was my thing, and he looked, he looked very kind, and after a few dates, he was kind, and he was smart and funny, and we spent more and more time together, we met each other's friends, our friends become friends, and, and we meet each other's families. But here's the thing about dating shitty people, is um, when it goes south, there's nothing to lose, right? You're like, good riddance, it's fine. So when it doesn't work, it's like, Meh, it was kind of a dick. Um, but when you make a good choice, the stakes are higher. And so knowing this guy is a catch, it was like thrilling and kind of terrifying. So I went like that new love giddiness to like this kind of swirly insecurity thing. And um, the, the guy, that guy, he just happened to be a DJ. Go figure. And so as a DJ, I would listen to his show and occasionally I would make requests. And every once in a while, he would play a song he picked for me, but not often. It's not like he would throw out these dedications to me ever, at all. I mean, every once in a while when something happened and they were very sweet and it was special because it's very, it's, it's not common. So one night uh, in the beginning of our serious phase, so it's like right when it's serious and you're feeling kind of good about it, but you're also like, eh. Um, so that was going on. And so I'm driving home from hanging out with friends and I hear my name, and he says, this song is for me. And I didn't request anything, so I'm like, it's going to be great. So I may or may not have swooned just a few minutes, and then I wait to hear what he's going to play, and it's going to be like some profound declaration of love or something, right? Yeah, of course it is. And so uh, he goes to play it, and then all of a sudden the air goes silent. And for DJ people, and there might be a few DJ types in the room, what do I know? Um, when it goes silent, something is not happening, right? So I'm listening, and now I want to know what this is. And it's silent and then it's silent, and then the song starts to play, and the song is Bone Machine. <laughs> Bone Machine. For those of you unfamiliar, let me give you a couple lines. As in, I think you're pretty. You make me hard. Your island skin looks Mexican. Our love is rice and beans and horses lard. Your bones got a little machine. You're the bone machine. Okay. So maybe he wasn't a catch. Maybe he wasn't a good choice for a relationship. Maybe I hadn't learned a thing, and he was this all courtship, no character thing. But finally the song ended. And this guy, he's Scott McKenna. Any of you chirpers who know him? Um, so he's one of Chirp's very own. He gets back on the air, and he says that wasn't the song he meant to play. <laughs> Which is why I'm with him tonight, still. Um, and there was a problem with the track. There was a glitch in the file, 
And he meant to play something else entirely. And then this guy, this catch, total catch, my first catch, played the song he intended. And I am going to let these guys play it.
You've been listening to a Chirp Radio podcast of our live storytelling and music series, The First Time. Our storyteller was Mickey Lasour, and The First Time 4 performed Gigantic by the Pixies. The First Time 4 is Steve Frisbee, Liam Davis, Gerald Dowd, and Scott Stevenson. To hear more First Time pieces, check out the series' website, firsttime.chirpradio.org. And you can find other podcasts produced by the station at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Chirp Radio. Hear what's next.